questions before we begin? Let's let these few people join. So we're covering um, topic three, controlled mind remains peaceful. Verse 22 to 24. A controlled mind remains peaceful. Meaning, if you want to gain peace, you have to control the mind. It's the mind that agitates you. So, throughout the day, while you're contacting the world, in whatever capacity, try to think of that higher. Think of the self, Atman, Brahman. That'll give you some peace and calmness those few moments we we think we constantly think of the physical personality the body mind and intellect but try also to think of the core of your personality the self the enlivening power within you without which you wouldn't be here that's the most important part of your personality so try to remember that learn to remember that Accept that. Think of that. Expand from your body, mind, intellect to the body, mind, intellect and the Atman, the self within. That's one exercise you can do. So verse 19, last week we covered. And there is that example of a candle compared to the mind. When there is a breeze, the flame of a candle is disturbed. It flickers. And because of the flickering, there's not much light. Similarly, when the mind is agitated, the intellect is not available. Remember, the intellect is the adult in you. When it's not available, you can't think clearly. There's no knowledge. You can't make correct decisions. And when you flare up, you say whatever's on your mind. There's no control. You can say anything. No control of the mind. So the flame flickers because of the breeze. Similarly, the mind is agitated because of your desires, your worldly passions. When the flame is in a place where there is no breeze, the flame of the candle is steady. It gives out light. You can see the path you are going on. Similarly, when there are no desires, no mental agitations, then the intellect can function. The mind is controlled. You can see the path to the self. When you put a shade around a candle, this protects it from the breeze. 
Vedantic knowledge protects the mind from the worldly desires. Does everyone understand the example? Yeah. You understand that? Then you have an understanding of what you need to do. Verse 20, the mind is always rambling, rushing everywhere, constantly agitated. <clears throat> We're constantly looking for happiness in the world. The richest person is looking for more riches. Powerful person is looking for more power. But no one has found it yet. Why haven't they found it? Why haven't they found that happiness? Hmm? Why haven't they found the happiness? Any idea? You're my full, full guy. You're my full guy. So happiness is short-lived and the mind always wants more, more and more. So you can have a million who wants a million and one, a million and two, a million and three. And when you obtain it, your mind wants more. Absolutely. But also, besides that, they haven't found it because of one other reason. Desires. You're absolutely right. But there is one major reason. One major reason. We're all looking for it in the wrong place. We're all looking for it where it isn't. We're looking for it in the world where permanent happiness isn't there. True happiness is within. We're looking externally. So unless you change that outlook from external to internal, you'll never find it. This is what they're saying. You'll never find it. So change our focus from the world to within, and you'll find the true riches of life. This is what the Gita is saying. At the moment, it's just words. It's just words. Unless you experience it, it's just words. Verse 21. The happiness the mind feels is objective, meaning it comes from outside, from the world. The happiness that you feel when you reach the self is subjective. It's internal. It comes from within. It is experienced by the intellect. As Dharma said, when the senses, the mind experiences happiness from the world, it is temporary. It doesn't last long, no matter what. The happiness gained from the self is permanent. You do not go back from that state of spiritual growth. This Vedantic knowledge you gain helps you develop spiritually. Once you learn this, you never forget it. That's the beauty of it. You never forget it. You may not use it, but it's always there. Using it, applying it is different. But the knowledge will be there. And that last verse, which I don't think I explained last week, was in the Sastras, scriptures, spiritual growth is likened to crossing a bridge which vanishes behind you with every step forward that you take. The question of retracing one's path does not arise. Once you gain spiritual enlightenment, 
you are enlightened forever. So there's no going back. No one can take it away from you. So that's the beautiful thing about this subject. Once you gain it, you don't go back. Any questions? So where do we have to look now? We've been, thank you, Deepa Bin. Take the knowledge, switch your focus, and look within. And there you'll find what you're looking for in life. Verse 22. Yam labvacha chaparam labbam manyate nadikam tataha yasmin stito natukhena guru napi vichalyate yam labvacha param labbam manyate nadikam tataha Yasmin stito natukhena guru napi vichalyate and having obtained which he thinks no other gain superior to it wherein established is not moved even by great sorrow and having obtained which he thinks no other gain superior to it wherein established is not moved even by great sorrow What is, what is it that you've obtained? And having obtained which? What is it that we have obtained? Yeah, Tamash? Connection with the self, true happiness. Connection with the self, absolutely. When that happens, he thinks no other gain superior to it, meaning there's nothing else higher than that. Wherein established, once it's established in the self, knowledge of the self, he's not moved even by great sorrow. So that's, in a nutshell, what that verse is saying, which we'll discuss now. Uh, Ravi, can you read para one, please? When the mind is established in the self and revels in its supreme bliss, no other gain can surpass that experience. As you dwell deeper into the subtler components of your personality, you will find the quality of happiness increasing. Emotional joy derived from the mind is superior to the physical pleasure enjoyed by the body. Intellectual satisfaction is even superior to emotional joy. Thus, appreciating the superior nature of the happiness derived from the subtler layers the spiritual seeker gradually moves towards the self and finally becomes rooted in its supreme bliss. Thereafter, all worldly achievements and enjoyments mean nothing to him. Thank you. Learn to fix your mind on the inner self. Everyone's mind is extroverted in the world. When the thoughts are in the world, you'll be agitated. When the mind and thought turns within, what is this Atman? What is this self? In the Gita, is talking about this. What is it? 
When you inquire, you search for it, you become introverted. You're looking within. It's saying when you do this, you get a sense of calm, a peace of mind, which you can't get anywhere else. Then you function in the world, do your work, family, friends, your obligations. And if you act in this way, you'll find you're less agitated and more happier. So that's why we're pointing out, think of the self while you're acting in the world. That connection itself, you'll find you're less agitated. And as you go towards a subtler part of your personality, the joy increases. So the body and the senses has its level of enjoyment. You go and see the Taj Mahal, Niagara Falls. You go to a nice restaurant, you eat the food. It gives you a sense of happiness, a sense of satisfaction. We're not saying it doesn't. You go to a nice beach, Maldives, beautiful, tranquil beach. It gives you a sense of happiness. No doubt about it. But it's saying more superior than this happiness is what's enjoy, which is what is felt by the mind. Enjoyment felt by the mind. Something that stirs your emotions. You eat some nice food in a fancy restaurant, it doesn't stir your emotions. It just tastes nice and you enjoy the atmosphere. Yeah. The child gives birth to their uh, uh, your grandchild's grandchild. It gives you a sense of emotion. Different kind of satisfaction than you're going to see the Taj Mahal or you go to a fancy restaurant. That's felt by the mind. The emotions far superior than what the senses feels. Is everyone is everyone with me? Andres, make sense? Please question if you don't understand. What your physical body experiences in the world gives you a sense of satisfaction, happiness. But what the mind feels, the emotions, it's the superior kind of happiness. How can you compare a child being born? You see a child being born, your grandchild or your child. That emotion, you can't compare that to any physical experience. What you feel You watch a movie that stirs your emotions. Schindler's List, you watch that. It stirs your emotions. Far superior because you're connecting the mind to it. You eat a sweet. It gives you a sense of happiness. But you give that same sweet to a boy on the road who's starving. And he puts it in his mouth and you see the smile on his face. That happiness is far superior than when you ate that sweet. Because you're feeling it. You're feeling the emotions. The child, you see the happiness, the smile in his face. So you see the difference. So what the mind feels, the emotions, it's far superior than physical enjoyment. 
Greater than this is the joy felt by seeking the self. Sorry, greater than this is the joy felt by the intellect. You read the Bhagavad Gita, spiritual knowledge. It gives the intellect a sense of joy, a sense of wonder. Wow, I've never read anything like this before. The intellect feels this is pretty amazing. Well, you read any good book, what the intellect feels is far superior than the physical and emotional. The joy you get from that. And then the joy felt by seeking the self. It's saying, knowledge of the self. When you feel the happiness from the self, no other joy can compare to it. This is the highest. No physical, no emotional, no intellectual happiness can compare. Any questions on that? Any clarifications? Does everyone understand what we're saying? You want true happiness? Yeah, that's why they say you want true happiness? Go within. The more subtler the layers, the more you, within you go, the greater the happiness. Uh, thereafter, all worldly achievements, enjoyments mean nothing to you. It's like when you identify with the self, you get 100% enjoyment. Everything else below is below 50. Just to give some idea. Next paragraph, please. Once established in the bliss of the self, the enlightened one is not moved even by deep sorrow. People experience sorrow in different intensi intensities. When the intensity of sorrow goes beyond an individual's capacity to bear it, he succumbs to its pressure. The sorrow overwhelms him, moves him, distresses him. Consider the loss of a pencil to a person. It means nothing to him. But if his loss mounts to greater magnitude, say that of a wristwatch, automobile, property or family member, it will reach his breaking point somewhere and yield to sorrow's pressure. The extent of forbearance will directly depend upon his spiritual growth. When he grows to his full spiritual stature and is established in the self, the greatest sorrow of the world will not affect him in the least. Not being affected by sorrow does not mean lack of sorrow. A spiritually evolved person does possess emotions, but he does not allow his emotions to overpower and victimize him. He remains a master, not a slave, of his feelings. The feelings of his mind never bypass the control of his discriminating intellect. In this, in this control lies the fundamental difference between a human being and any other creature. So saying once you establish in this experience of the self, you won't be interested in anything else. You, you will not be moved by sorrow. Sorrow will have no effect on you. Nothing will bother you. 
right now, it's saying in life, everyone has a limit to what they can handle. As far as sorrow is concerned. Everyone has a limit. The example given is you lose, you go to your friend's house, you lose a biro, big pen, you know, 20 pence. You leave it there. Would you go back and get it? You've left his home. 10 minutes you've driven. 20 minutes. Would you go back and get it? How much would you go and get back your big pen? No. No sorrow there, is there? In losing it. If you did say yeah, then I'd be worried about you. You lose your watch there. You may call him and say, look, I can't find my watch. If you find it, let me know. And I'll collect it next time. Just the Casio. Yeah. It's a Rolex. You might turn around and go and get it. Yeah. So how do you feel about losing your pen? No sorrow. How do you feel about losing your watch? Cheap watch. Not much. You say, I don't feel any loss. I don't feel any sorrow. You're quite well elevated to sorrow. You wake up in the morning, someone has stolen your car. Brand new Mercedes you bought last month. Do you feel sorrow then? Sandres, do you feel sorrow? You don't feel sorrow. Why? Insurance is the payout. I have insurance. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I heard there's a new model. I'll get the new model. No problem. Did me a favor, in fact. Yeah. No sorrow. Your dog runs out on the road, gets hit by a car, God forbid, and dies. Can you handle that? What's your breaking point? Can you handle that? No. Who's getting old anyway? You won't suffer. You, you handle that as well. You come home with the family from an evening out. You find that some one of your family members had left the iron on and the whole, whole house has burned down. What do you feel then? Most people will fall and think, oh no, my house, everything that in there, I, all the things I love, sentimental values, it's all gone. Can't handle it. Can you handle that? What is the loss of your house? You find out your partner and your children, two children have a car accident and they all pass away. Where do you stand there? What is the loss of your family? So what he's saying is that we can all sustain a certain amount of sorrow. But there's a limit. We all have a breaking point. Some will fall at the Seiko watch or the Casio watch. Can't handle it. Sleepless nights. Sandresh could even lose his Mercedes, brand new one, not feel any sorrow. So where is your limit? It will catch hold of you somewhere. This is what it's saying. 
So you find out where you are for your own understanding. So the correlation to this, the level you can deal with sorrow depends on your spiritual growth. The higher your spiritual growth, the more sorrow you can handle and not face you. Do you understand the relationship? Deepavim, you understand the relationship? The more spiritual growth, the greater the sorrow you can handle in life. No spiritual growth, you'll go turn around back for your big pen. Hey, I left my big pen. Please, can I have it? It's my favorite big pen. Can't handle it. The more, more spiritual growth, the greater the sorrow you can handle. The more spiritually developed, the more you can deal with. Question. So that's a question. I can see that look on her face. Are you, are you, is this talking about the depth of emotion and the depth of spiritual development? Because we can all feel, we, we can all feel a niggling with every situation maybe, or a thought process that's thinking. So is that, is that the depth of the attachment that we have? is correlating with the depth of knowledge that we have. So, for example, yeah, attachment to a family member, absolutely. Um, I would have a breaking point, 100%. But doesn't, I mean, I would feel that emotion and sorrow because I have an attachment. But is it the level of the depth of emotion that I feel? Is that, is that, what makes the difference with the spiritual development. So for example, in, initially I might be distraught. Yeah, if a family member, not, not just met with an accident, I'm talking about if they were experiencing a really awful time, I, I would feel emotion towards that. God forbid losing a family member. Yeah, I'd definitely break. But I'm talking about there's a breaking point and there's a point where you begin to understand the part of life where things come and go and the attachment that you have is really affecting your emotional well-being in this situation. And the scriptures will help you to I suppose, gain strength, yeah? So we're not talking about just where is your breaking point, but it's the depth of that. Mm -hmm. How so, long will you feel that emotion for, right? So in a way, actually, you've answered your own question. Yeah. Anybody want to say anything? So this question. So, yeah, Ramesh, go on. What would you like to say? So the stronger you are with your inner self, self, the less you feel and the more in control you are. Person who has no control or has no 
understanding of the self is always going to be in pain for the longest period. Mm. See, so so what you said was, I will, I will feel it, I will break down, but the length of that feeling of sorrow is that dependent on the spiritual growth that I have. That's what you're asking, yeah. So you're absolutely right. That is one correlation. Yeah? If somebody passes away, you become distraught, emotional. You pick up the Gita, you read, yeah, and slowly, slowly, from hundred percent sorrow, distraught, you slowly reduce that. Yeah, that is, and that is exactly what happens when someone passes away in a family. They're not in control. Then they read the scriptures for 12 days, etc. Yeah. And when they read that, the Bhagavad Gita, slowly, slowly the sorrow reduces. Everyone with me? Everyone with me? This is what they do. When someone passes away for 12 days, they read the Gita every evening, family members, etc. And that gives them some peace, some solace. And slowly that sorrow is reduced. You will may maybe never go away completely. What this is saying is a person who has the knowledge of life, the world, as you mentioned, that will be available to them before the sorrow hits them. You see the difference? You're armed with that shield, that armor before that happens to you. Look, we're not saying you're gonna be a stone where you feel nothing. That's not the answer either. Does that make sense? That the knowledge of the Gita you already have, the knowledge of the self you already have, is an armor. So anything that happens, you can apply it straight away rather than applying it afterwards. Even afterwards, applying it is a, it's better than not applying at all. Where you might be distraught for five days, you may only be distraught for three days. Does everyone understand? You understand anything can happen anytime in life. This is what this knowledge teaches you. Anything can happen anytime. The phone can ring after this class and someone's, oh, someone's passed away. So the knowledge, knowledge of the Gita, knowledge, any spiritual, true spiritual knowledge helps us to understand life. The fact we are born, we all must die. That's a law. The law is not going to change for you. It's not going to change for anyone. So you understand that. So if you say I'm very happy and peaceful, that is dependent on certain external factors which we have no control over. Right now, you say, I'm very happy, I'm peaceful, this knowledge, I'm enjoying, I'm, it's helping me. But tomorrow, anything can happen, and that can, this knowledge isn't available to you. 
you're distraught, you're unhappy, whatever that may be. Any, any clarifications? And that's why you need to learn this. Forget about seeking the self. At least you don't accustom to the sorrow of the world. You can control that, deal with that. The fact we are born, we must die. The fact that it is summer, winter is on its way. I can't say it's so, so cold, December. Why is it snowing? You can't say that because that's the law. And if it can happen at any time, are you prepared for it? Ask the question. Be prepared. What they're saying today, war in Israel and uh, Palestine is happening. War in uh, Ukraine and uh, things still going on. Where else there's war? Japan is gearing up for war against China. Taiwan is waiting for war against China. So all this is crap is happening in the world. Every time you watch the news, are you going to feel sorrow? You know what? This is the world. This is Kalyuk. If this ain't going to happen, then what's going to happen? That's understanding is there. This is the world, this is life. So, what we're saying, this verse, spiritual knowledge helps us to understand this, and when you understand this, you're no longer victimized. You're no longer affected when sorrow arises. I'm ready for it. Understand the laws of life, you won't be affected by the greatest sorrow that you face, whatever that may be. If you don't understand, then everything will trouble you. You'll be like a yo-yo, happy when things are okay, unhappy when things are not okay. And that's it. Up and down, up and down. This is how your life will be. So if you go within, seek the self, no sorrow in the world can affect you. Everything we do in life, whatever action we perform, the end goal is peace and happiness. The Lord is saying if you want the ultimate peace and happiness, happiness beyond your dreams. You can't even dream of that happiness, it's saying. Happiness beyond anything in the world and seek the self. Why can't you, uh, I just thought this, why can't you, why is it beyond your dreams? Happiness beyond your dreams. Any idea? The thought just came to my mind now. Happiness beyond your dreams. What does that actually mean? Can we quantify that? Happiness beyond your dreams. Any idea? The dream stage is an awakening mind. Okay. Well, so therefore. Okay. Anybody, anybody who can uh, explain that? Happiness beyond your dreams. Go on, Rish. So, 
we know happiness as happiness on earth for our for our senses. Yeah. So we don't know what true happiness is, and true happiness is forever going, forever. And there is no downside to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's permanent, basically. That because we don't know what it is, but we can only assume we know, but we don't. Mm -hmm. Because yes, we're happy for five seconds, being happy all your life or every moment of your life, not knowing sadness. Yeah. That's yeah, but I agree with what you're saying, Dimash. But what does the term happiness beyond your dreams mean? In this context, think about it for a second. Huh, Nipavin? You didn't put your mic on. What are you saying? I'm saying it's unimaginable. Mm. You, you cannot imagine how happy that would make you. See, when you go to sleep in the night, you have a dream. What are those dreams about? They're about the world. I am rich. I am good look. I, I'm I'm uh, good looking, handsome. I'm fit. I have big house. I have a pool. I have this. I have that. That's what your dreams about. It's worldly things that you're dreaming about. You can't dream of the self because you don't know the self. So it's beyond your dreams. You can't even dream of it. How can you dream of something you don't know? So that's why he's saying it's beyond your dreams. You dream that you're self-realized? The happiness that comes from the self, you can't experience it, not even in the dream. You can't even think about it. You with me? So it's beyond your dreams. Ravi, paragraph three. Living creatures fall under three broad classification, plant, animal, and human. Plants have no emotions, whereas animals and human beings do. In the case of animals, they act on emotions. All creatures, except human beings, are driven directly by emotions, feelings, impulses. They do just what their impulses bid them. They do not have an intellect to intervene and guide their impulses. A human, a human being too has feelings and emotions, but his discriminating intellect prevents them from directly taking over his activities. His intellect controls, guides, and directs the impulses of the mind in the execution of actions. Therefore, the verse states that the perfect individual is not moved by sorrow it only means that his mind is in perfect control. It feels, but it does not, but it is not moved. But so going back to your question, somebody passes away, you feel the sorrow, but you don't, the sorrow doesn't take over your personality. You don't want to eat, you don't want to sleep, you don't, you know, you're just sobbing all the time, you're in no control of your personality. That's what it's saying. You still feel the pain, the grief, the sorrow, but you're in control of it. I understand my family member has passed away. My uncle has passed away. 
but he was 89. He wasn't feeling well, you know. He's in a better place. You know, we say that. That's understanding. Why did he die? I can't believe he's so young, 89, he still died. You know, then you're not in control of your emotions. That's the difference. Understanding and not understanding. So this verse is saying the three categories, plants, animals, human beings. Plant have no emotions. Animals have only emotions, no intellect. Only human beings have intellect. Therefore, only we can control our lives. Animals are subject to their emotions. You leave your dog at home and go on holiday for two weeks, come back. Dog doesn't know, okay, I know they went on holiday, it's okay. They'll be back. No. It feels emotional. It's crying for two weeks. Where is my mommy and daddy gone? Yeah. It feels it. It's in anguish. No intellect. No understanding. Come back home and he won't leave you alone for half an hour. You sure you're back? You sure you're back? Emotions. No intellect. Only human beings, it's saying, as intellect. So you feel sorrow, but you're not affected by this emotion. The intellect is in full control of your personality. That's the difference. Any questions? Yeah. So. so it's the intellect that helps you to control that emotion of the mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a developed intellect. So you gave the example of, you know, war going on. It's all well looking at the news and seeing the war across the world and not being affected because you're not in the war, yeah? So you're not experiencing the terror that a war can bring, the, the famish that a war can bring, the, you know, I mean, it's devastating, yeah? So it's all well us looking at the news and thinking, oh, you know, this is Kalyug, this is gonna happen, mm. right? But you put yourself in that war position mm. and you've got those, devastating things happening in front of your eyes and you're being involved in it day in, day out, night in, night out. No amount of intellect is going to help. Are you saying then that actually it can only be through a developed intellect that you accept that war and accept everything that's happening to you, around you, your family, your home? I mean, you don't know whether you're going to be gunned down tomorrow or, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, develop the intellect. But I'm saying that breaking point, which is what we're discussing here, yeah. doesn't make sense. So then, uh, you know, there's an earthquake last week. 20, Two million people died. Feel for them, okay? War is going to start, I don't know, 100,000 people might die. Feel for them. No, no, no. I'm not saying that that mm. you should be affected, yeah. not, you know, I'm not saying that you should be affected, but what I'm saying is, is that whilst we're here, mm. yeah, we can feel, oh my goodness, how awful is that? Mm. But that's the level of it, isn't it? 
the level of the emotion pain that they feel. See, you can't relate to the pain they're feeling. How can you relate to them? Suddenly a flooding happened, 10,000 people died, you lose your family, your parents, your house. How are you going to feel that? You're not experiencing it. Yeah, you can say what a terrible thing has happened. But if that's going to affect you, where, where are you? You're worse than an animal. Every emotion is uh, affecting you. How can you live? How can you survive? You have to have a certain understanding. War in Middle East is never ending. And it will probably never end. Every time someone has a war and people die, you say, yes, it's a terrible thing, terrible thing that's happened. But you can't be affected. You identify with what's happened. You give it five minutes of thought, then you'll be changing the channel. It's not happening outside your door. This is the world. Otherwise, how can you function? How can you function in life if everything that's happening on the other side of the world will affect you? We're not saying don't feel um, grief. But you have this understanding. Karma is working. Something that must have happened in the past is this is why this is happening to this whole country. Six million Jews died. No, 100,000 people died in the war. We only think about the six million Jews that died. But another 100 million people died that were in the war, fighting from all over the world. We don't talk about them. But you understand, karma is functioning. Mahabharata war, how many people died? Arjun didn't want to fight. How can I kill them? He had no, he had no option but to fight. Good and evil, pairs of opposites. So, yes, feel the fact that this is a bad thing that's going on. You see in the news, what a terrible thing. But what else can you do? You're not in a position to go there and help. What can you do? So your intellect has to be strong enough to be able to handle that. Does everyone understand what we're saying, what we're talking about here? What Sittle's asking? How can we not feel? We're not saying don't feel. You have the identification. He's a human being. She's a human being. That's a baby. I feel for the family, the parents. What else can we do? Karma functions in the world. Nothing we can do about it. Cause and effect. Any clarifications? On that's on what we've just discussed because it's quite deep what we've discussed yeah to have the understanding there are any clarifications
Yeah. Not really, because end of the day, we're not emotionally controlled by it. But intellectually, if we want to help, our intellect will say, look, let's raise money, let's help. Because at the end of the day, we see the God in everything. Yeah. That's it. That's all you can do. You can feel. Donate some cash money to the cause. But what else can you do? You can't, you don't want to pick sides and go and start fighting for one of the sides that you decide is right and the other side is wrong and start fighting for the right side. You can't do that. You have to accept, in life, you have to accept all the things that you have no control over. You have no control over what happens in another country, the war, the fighting. You have to accept it. Tomorrow there could be torrential rain here, flooding. You have to accept it. You have no control over it. it could be the richest government in the world. Emirates is one of the richest countries. They have a sandstorm. They can't control it. You have to accept what you can't control. No matter how much money they have, they can't control that. Devastation. You can't control these things, so you have to accept it. This is the way of the world. This is life. Otherwise, you'll be a wreck. I don't think I'm going to take the next two verses because we've gone quite deep today and uh, I want to frazzle your minds more. <laughs> but if there's any general questions or clarification, still so, any other clarification? Yeah. So feel, but don't let that feeling overtake your personality. That's the difference. Then you will be more happier in life. Accept it. Sandrish, questions? Any clarifications? This is a topic that uh, if you understand this particular verse, it can change your life. One verse, change your life. Don't worry about that pen now, yeah? Vijay, any questions? Good. We'll stop there because um, it gets a lot deeper. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. We'll continue next week.